Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Everything we've done since training camp is we want to earn the right to be a playoff team. Richard Love save! Mike Smith, a game saver! And he got run over by Zach Cassian. He like one of those top teams, and we're working our way to that level. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley. Denied by Smith, who saves the game again. Josh Archibald wins the game! My message today is we're trying to win. What timer score? No game. And now we're going to have a goalie action. This is NHL overtime. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This is Oscar Platt. This is Leon Dreisaitl. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. This is Oil Country. And this is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. Now, Bob Stoffer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers. 630 Shed. ACDC coming up a little bit later on on Oilers Now's Bob Stoffer joins you from the city's south side. Hope you're hanging in about as well as you can, all things considered, as we uh, continue down this path with COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, coronavirus. Um, some interesting sort of, I don't know, a little bit of interesting messaging over the last couple days from the federal government. We'll get to that momentarily. Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Buy or lease your next office network printer from the digitex.ca e-commerce store. Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office IT and supplies. We got a lot to get to in the first half hour of the show. uh, We'll recap a, a couple quotes yesterday from Brian Burke, who does our show every Thursday for Canadian Power Pack. And uh, he was not put it this way, the most positive, but perhaps was the most pragmatic in terms of his approach moving forward for uh, uh, hockey and the challenges that are going to be out there. Also, Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports and Colt Brakelon, and uh, we'll get a clip from him in, in our Oilers Now Audio Vault. We'll have NHL Today for elite promotional marketing as well in the first half hour of the show. Then we drop the puck with a bunch of guests. Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers at 1235. Uh, Sportsnet Spec Mark Spectre at 105. At 135, the play-by-play voice. we got a couple back-to-back play-by-play voices. Cam Moon. Uh, from the Red Deer Rebels at 135, and our closer today will be Jack Michaels, my uh, broadcast partner uh, on the Oilers Radio Network. Here's how you get hold of us. You can reach us at the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. Uh, River Cree will be back bigger and better once we get out 
of this situation. And you can uh, text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors, ready for your uh, kids' pregame warm-up. Just a, a personal observation, a reminder, you can tweet us anytime. Uh, show Twitter account at Oilers now. You can reach me at Bob underscore Stoffer. And tweet uh, Brendan at Brendan Escott. Just a personal observation as we go into today's top story. It's brought to you by Gray Rock Exteriors. Mother Nature wreaks havoc on your home. Book your free, no-obligation inspection today. Visit grayrockexteriors.ca. We all have sort of different reads on scenarios. And if you've been listening to this show for the last basically week and a half, we've been hammering on, boy, the you know there, there seems to be some significant challenges Um with our old age uh, nursing homes, assisted living facilities. Some of us have personal experience having our parents in those facilities. Uh, we know the challenges in ideal situations. This is far from it. And the end result is it has been uh, traumatic for the country. I don't know about you, but if you watch uh, Justin Trudeau and Dr. Teresa Tam in the mornings each day, in my opinion, over the last couple of days, we've seen a little bit of a shift in focus. One of the things that BC did well right away is they had an outbreak, uh, I believe it was Lynn Valley uh, nursing facility, nursing home, and they recognized that they were going to have to, you know, that this could be a scenario that would be a microcosm of other significant nursing homes throughout the province. And they, they've they limited really just one major outbreak in the province of B.C. And B.C. was the kind of the first province that got hit with this. Alberta has a, a challenge at a nursing home down in Calgary. Uh, the one in B.C., the one in both over 20 uh, deaths as a result of this. But Quebec and Ontario have gone through some significant challenges. And I, I'm seeing some real recognition here from Canada's leadership and it makes me think that they're coming to terms of the realization that we have to prioritize that. And in the process, as most of you listen to the show and listen to 630 Chat and follow the story, because you have to follow the story. Uh, obviously, it's, you know, we've never experienced anything like this in our lives. You know that when it comes time to open things back, ultimately, that'll be kind of on a, you know, a provincial jurisdiction basis with maybe some thoughts from the federal government and i think what we've seen over the last couple they're not relaxing anything yet but i think they've come to terms with the realization of an area that has really been challenged and targeted and i know that not everybody i don't know how many people know of a journalist by the name of nora loretto but she has done yeoman's ship work in terms of of breaking down and categorizing uh, deaths in this country. And going into today, just to put things in perspective, 700 of the 1,200, roughly 1,200 people going into today, and this is before Ontario and Quebec uh, released their totals this morning, 700 of the 1,200 people that have passed away were from nursing home old-age facilities uh, across Canada. And there are uh, nine nursing homes with 24 or more deaths uh, in this country, none of them are uh, west of the Ontario border. So seven in Quebec and uh, two in Ontario. It's a tragic story. 
but it also perhaps gives uh, a real area of focus. And we've talked about it over and over again. One of the things that's going to happen here moving forward is I think we all recognize we're going to see a significant upgrade in these standards at these uh, at these homes. And uh, I think that's a positive when we get that. You have to learn from these these situations now. All the other things that come into play there is, you know, I think we're not naive. We understand that it's going to be a very gradual reopening uh, of society. It's not going to be going from zero to 60 right off the get-go. And I think we know, uh, and everybody's got that, that this is going to be a scenario that's going to take some time. But if you've watched closely over the last couple of days with Justin Trudeau and with Dr. Teresa Tam, I think they've uh, come to the realization and the recognition that, we have a priority area that needs to be focused on, and maybe that will in turn allow us moving forward, especially in provinces like Alberta that have tested a ton, just to put things in perspective. As of yesterday, Alberta, a population of 4.3 million, has done 26,000 more tests than the province of B.C. That's got a population of roughly 5 million. Uh, you know, Quebec has 22% of the, prov- of the country's population. And right now, unfortunately, Quebec's sitting at about 51% of the country's deaths. And in large part, uh, because of the, what, what's become a real epidemic in the nursing homes. So that, that is uh, something that I've been watching over the course of the last several days. I see a slight shift from the uh, federal government. I do think that, you know, it's a little, it's a horrible story, but at least it's a recognition that, and a strong argument can be made from a lot of you who text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063, that we kept the deaths down because of the amount of uh, social distancing. I think eventually over the course of, say, May, we might see some relaxing of uh uh, you know, reopening up uh, of the uh, economy to a certain degree as well. Now, Bob, what does that have to do with hockey? Well, at this stage of the game, hockey's a long shot and not a priority out there. I think we all know that. Uh, and if you're looking at it pragmatically, you're saying, you know, we're not going to get back up to the NHL that we love and care about and back to the professional sports that we love and care about. Um, for a while here, unless possibly, you know, uh, a company like uh, Gilead accelerates the process uh, in terms of uh, coming up with a, a vaccine for COVID-19. Uh, that said, that said, uh, you know, there are some different mechanisms. You know, do you play without fans? That Maybe to start you do. I am of the personal belief that there are certain powers to be, uh, including one significant power in a country that really wants to see professional sport back up at it. And uh, you know what? Time will tell on, on that front again. Uh, today's top story brought to you by Grey Rock Exteriors. Mother Nature wreaks havoc on your home. Book your free no-obligation inspection today. Visit grayrockexteriors.ca. Two... The Oilers now audio vault for direct workwear, where safety meets savings in Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and online at directworkwear.com. And speaking of priority sequence, what's important uh, for the government? Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack cautions sports a low priority for the government. No, no one wants to get back more than I do. Everyone wants to get back, but I, I just can't see if they fast track a vaccine. Um, I can't imagine the governor of Michigan that wants the Red Wings to get the vaccine before he gets the Ford Motor Plant open in Detroit. I can't imagine that, that, that the health care workers don't get first in line. I sure. just don't think we're focusing realistically. Now, what the league is doing, which I applaud, is they're turning over every stone. Uh, these things aren't pie in the sky. It might very well be a scenario like this. I love the league's approach, but I, I, don't, I don't think we've seen the worst of this disease yet in the U.S., 
And I think our return to play is going to be tied to the the worst jurisdiction where we have a team. All right. And that is an entirely fair perspective to have. Uh, now, could you potentially have a play down that would take you out of the mix in certain hard-hit U.S. cities? Absolutely, you could do that. And in fact, you could make an argument that in two months from now, you theoretically could maybe look at hosting something here at Edmonton. Edmonton, of the 50 deaths in the province of Alberta, Edmonton currently sitting at eight, which is eight too many. We all know that. Uh, but relative to the other and, and NHL market, and it's a, as a result of COVID-19, relative to the other Canadian markets and the other uh, NHL markets around the league, Edmonton's in a good situation. It's got a brand new facility. It's got a practice facility. It's got the JW Marriott Hotel adjacent to the arena. It has a lot of things going for it if you decided to do a regional playdown type of scenario. And I'm going to tell you right now, would not surprise me over the course of the next week to two weeks if you start hearing that theme being brought up a little bit more. Could you play, have maybe four regional playdowns of four teams each? Just go with the top uh, eight teams in the East, top eight teams in the West based on points percentage, uh, maybe through 68 games since every team in the league has played 68 games. Could that theoretically make some sense? It could. I mean, Alberta has done a good job in testing. There's no question. They've tested a ton. They've done a good job in communicating their testing uh, plan. And uh, they've had one significant outbreak. I I believe we're now at 32 of the 50 deaths in this province uh, resulting from COVID-19 are from old age facilities, which would suggest that the general transmission and the other parts of the community relative to some other significant markets. And, and again, Edmonton benefits because it's not a major hub for international uh, landings initially, right? Slight benefit there. and uh, But the province is also deserves to get some credit here for as being as assertive as possible. I mean, when you've done 25 more thousand tests, then the province next to you that's got 700,000 more people, I think that's, I, I think compared to the rest of the country, uh, Alberta has by population done the most tests, which I think is a credit to the people in the medical health industry. Uh, and, and, and frankly, and some of you are not fans of the current provincial leadership. That's your prerogative, but, you know, there has at least been some semblance of rationale, uh, in handling this whole situation. Brian Burke also shed some real light yesterday on just the substantial financial impact that the NHL is going to go through, even if we come back and play without fans. If the greatest minds in the world get together, I can't imagine they couldn't do the vaccine quicker than they have in the past, which is 12 to 18 months. Sure. But barring that, we're going to play the empty building. So a home gate in Toronto is worth about $2 million. So if they skip the first half of the season and play with no fans, that's $2 million a night times 20. 20 home games. That's $80 million right there. 85% of the games were played this year. That's 15% weren't played. That's another, I don't know, 75 to $100 million there. No playoff revenue. That's a couple hundred million dollars there. We're talking about recovering a vast amount of money and hoping that with the economy rebounding that people can still afford to buy season tickets. Because I'll tell you what the first thing, the first thing that you cross off, if you lost your job and you're sitting with your wife at the kitchen table and you got a pencil out, the first thing that comes off the list as far as reducing your, the burden on your household income is pro sports tickets and concert tickets. Second thing is family vacation. But 
We'll see what we come back to. I don't think anyone's focused on it, and I think it's a major issue. That's Brian Burke, and there was some real realism, some hard uh, perspectives on yesterday's show. Look, if we don't play this season uh, and don't have a conclusion to this season for the 2019-20 season, and a lot of you listening to the show right now, and again, we accept a wide variance of opinions on this show. You know, that's. I think you have to have that. I think there's, frankly, I think there's been a little bit of a loss uh, of critical thought at some institutions because it seems like you've got to have kind of a homogenized perspective on things. There are people that think, damn it, absolutely, get back and play, even if you play without fans. And there's other other of you listening to the show right now that love hockey and love sports and saying, nope, no chance. And you know what? Frankly, I get both sides of that conversation. I really do. So some some hard uh, thoughts there from Brian Burke and maybe not the most optimistic, but maybe realistic. Back in the orders now, Audio Vault for Direct Work, where safety meets savings in Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and online at directworkwear.com. Colton Pareko, represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson, of course, won a Stanley Cup last year, paired with Jay Bomeister. Uh, Pareko was asked last night on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on whether he's comfortable playing without fans. Yeah, I mean, it would obviously have a different dynamic for sure. It would feel, feel different, but um, as a player, you obviously love to play and you want to play. So if it's a chance to, to get back out there and finish the season or finish the playoffs in kind of whatever manner it may be, that that would be fun. I think I enjoy playing uh, fans and no fans, but obviously fans are a fun, fun element. They they add a good element of the game. I don't know if it it could add home ice advantage, you want to say, or not. So uh, I just think that you kind of got to just go with the flow at this point. Uh, kind of whatever happens, just let it happen. And there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of different things that um, are kind of more important than playing right now too. So got to make sure we, we take care of those first. And then uh, whenever it's safe for us to play, we, we can play when it, however we need to, I guess. He nailed it. That's Colton Pareko last night on Inside Sports. It's 12:22 in Edmonton. When we come back, we'll get to NHL today for Elite Promotional Marketing. This is Oilers Now. Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6:30. Chet. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Brendan Escott on Oilers Now. We're going to get into NHL today for Elite Promotional Marketing, building tailored branded programs where your order is done on time every time at Elite Promotional Marketing. Here's Brendan Escott. All right, Bob. The Winnipeg Jets terminated Dustin Bufflin's contract today, ending the months-long standoff with the veteran rearguards camp. Bufflin is now an unrestricted free agent and received no money walking away from this as part of the separation agreement. So basically, he walked away from about $14 million between this season and the next. The 35-year-old has 525 career points across 869 games. The Blues signing Marco Scandella to a four-year, 13 $1 million extension. Now 30, Scandella was acquired from his hometown Montreal Canadiens at the trade deadline. And speaking of the Habs, Andre Markov officially announced his retirement from hockey at 41 years old. He was attempting a return to the Habs after a KHL stint, but could not earn a contract. Akeem Alyu spoke about Bill Peters resurfacing in the coaching circle over in Russia as well. He said that he does believe in second chances and is patiently awaiting the results of the NHL 
NHL's investigation into Peters' alleged abusive behavior. Finally, Bob, the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, says he's been discussing the possibility of hosting those neutral site games in the future. And I know that was one of the uh, the states that had stepped up or, or at least been circulated as, as um, a likely place in the first place. So now the governor stepped up and said they'd be open to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, and uh, yesterday, uh, I believe Darren Dreger from TSN was reporting with Pierre Lebrun that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau is expected to talk today to NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman as well. So, uh, obviously, we'll uh, continue. We'll see if Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for our friends at River Creek Resort and Casino uh, would uh, have some more insight on that. Brian Lawton has just put out a tweet. Brian joins us every Wednesday in Oilers Now. Uh, longtime uh, NHL player, number one overall pick, 1983 draft. Uh, started up the Octagon Hockey Agency side of the business uh, before becoming GM in Tampa Bay. So uh, currently with the NHL Network, uh, Lawton, who's been in the mix for a couple NHL GM jobs, says the obvious reason players won't necessarily want to leave the salary cap flat next year is, of course, escrow. If you work backwards how the cap is calculated, then hard to figure out why uh, there might not be consensus. Well, there was barely a consensus on the NFL PA's vote to extend their CBA to 2030 either. It was a very close vote. Those sort of things happen. You're, again, people are allowed to have different perspectives and different opinions uh, out there. That's uh, what makes the uh, world go wrong. By the way, Brendan, we've talked a lot about over the course of the last month about numbers and reporting and that sort of thing. Did you notice the sudden spike today out of China? They had hovered between 80 to 83,000 total cases with COVID for the last month and between 3,000 and 3,300 deaths for the last month. And today, China added 1,290 people uh, with uh, COVID-related deaths to, to get up to 4,600. And again, that's just interesting. I mean, they can say they change sort of how they, they gauge that sort of situation, but the timing, given all the criticism that's directed the World Health Organization of late, kind of makes a guy wonder, doesn't it? All right. Anyhow, uh, 1228 in Edmonton. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Kerry McCarthy. Come back with Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.